The fact is the religious leaders who were so close to Bethlehem missed Christmas because they were too busy. It's not hard to make the transition to today's Christmas holiday rush. Just go to the store. (laughs) Go to Walmart. Your friendly place. They will smile and wait on you hand and foot. As you walk in that door, they will have a personal escort to take you to all of your toys that you have on your list. They have a personal escort who will personally check out your items so as not to inconvenience you so you have to wait at all. Walmart. Home away from home. No, you stand in line and grit your teeth like the rest of them, don't you? Wondering when. We've got 95 check registers and only three are open. They took down the sign years ago that said, if you got a long line, more than four waiting, we will open another register. They took those signs down. Because of me, probably. Because I used to voice my opinion standing in line waiting. But I want us to spend a few minutes away from Walmart and in the temple. And I want us to look in two quiet corners of this huge temple complex, two people who managed to find Christmas, ignored by all the two busy priests, Levites and Sadducees, an old man and an old woman. They found the Messiah for which they had long been searching. Their names, Simeon and Anna, and their example will help us find Christmas this year. Let's read about it. Luke chapter 2. Have it up here. Follow in your Bibles if you have it. On the eighth day when it was time to circumcise him, he named Jesus the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. And when the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel." child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanael of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. Then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. 
coming up to them in that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. We take clues from Simeon and Anna that, and they, uh, that they may very well help us find exactly what we've been looking for. Oh, how exciting that they found Christmas. What can we learn from them? Well, I want to give you three truths that we can learn. Number one, you must be willing to wait. We don't live in a culture that waits for anything. You want a hamburger? Drive through and it's waiting on you. You want a caramel latte, mate, latte, lava, latte, you can get that at McDonald's. Now, if you go into Starbucks, you're going to wait a while. And if you go into Starbucks and ask them for just a regular cup of coffee, they huff and gruff and look at you like you're an, uh, from another planet. And what they put in your cup to drink is so strong, your hair grows while you're drinking it. It's so strong. But you've got to be willing to wait. Thomas Merton wrote this in an article in Christianity Today. He said, There were only a few shepherds at the first Bethlehem. The ox and the donkey understood more of the first Christmas than the high priest in Jerusalem. And it's the same today. The only people who found Christmas in the temple were two individuals who were willing to wait for it. They were waiting and they were anticipating. Simeon was apparently an old man, but he clung to the promise that he would see the Messiah before he died. Anna was 84, a widow, and she simply would not leave the temple complex. She was there all the time, fasting, praying, and waiting. It is conceivable that the modern-day church has modeled more of the priestly approach to Christmas than that of Simeon and Anna, for the buzzword of Christmas is busy, busy, busy. Waiting. Waiting implies patience, and it implies quiet. If you're going to wait, you're going to have to be quiet. Walmart has taught me how to wait in silence. I don't say anything. I wait my turn. I'm gracious in line. There's a mother ahead of me with three kids and they're all off the wall. And she's ready to be gone. I may be in a hurry in my mind, but I've learned to wait. I'm learning to wait when I drive. It's awesome. People can just zip by you and you catch up to them at the stoplight. Isn't it fun? I'm finding it to be a lot of fun. I even wave at them now as I go by. Some of them are waving back in a fun sort of way. So what will you do to wait this Christmas? What part of an American Christmas is quiet and patient for you? Shoppers pushing, traffic snarling, televisions blurring, company coming. With all the noise, with all the hurry, with all the stress, we've got about as much chance of simplifying Christmas as we would seeing snow on Christmas Eve in Oklahoma. Not impossible, but not so very likely. So what are you going to do to wait this Christmas? Which hour of which day or even which hours of each day have you set aside to reconnect with Christmas? My children are in their 20s. Two are married. But we still read the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2 every Christmas before we open presents. 
It was a tradition that their mother built into their life. And it's main, been maintained all these years. Now that my two, two of my sons are married, I, I'm praying that they develop traditions in their, their families, in their lives. When God spoke to Elijah, he used a voice so quiet and so small, Elijah knew immediately that he had just experienced the very presence of God. Had Elijah been in a shopping mall at that time, he'd have never missed or he'd have never heard that whisper of God. It's so loud, isn't it? It's so loud. I mean, if this Christmas is going to be anything like the first one, you're going to have to learn to wait with Simeon and Anna, even as everyone else around you misses that point. Second truth I want you to know is that you must trust that God will keep His promises. Simeon had waited a lifetime to see God's promise. And when he saw Jesus, Simeon knew the promise had been kept. Anna had waited decades, and as she waited, she became a prophetess, telling people that God was a God who kept promises. God had promised to never leave you or forsake you. Trust God to keep that promise. If you're nervous about the holiday, a huge percentage of people are. They have a lot of stressful things that happen at Christmas. Maybe it's your first Christmas in a marriage. Or a, you're in a new marriage. Or maybe it's time to visit the, the rest of the family for the first time or for a long time. Could be that you're experiencing a loss in family or a divorce or a death or a deployment. Whatever it is. When December 25 rolls around, what's going to be going on in your life? Never forget that God will not leave you or forsake you. Pastor Leith Anderson wrote this. Several years ago, I was visiting Manila and was taken, of all places, to the Manila garbage dump and saw something beyond belief. Tens of thousands of people make their homes on that dump site. They've constructed shacks out of the things other people have thrown away, and they send their children out every, uh, early every morning to scavenge for food out of other people's garbage so they can have family meals. People have been born and grown up there on the garbage dump. They have had families, their children, their shacks, their garbage to eat, finished out their lives, died there without ever going anywhere else, even in the city, the city of Manila. A very astonishing thing, Anderson writes. He goes on to say, but Americans also live on, gar- on the garbage dump. They are missionaries. Christians who have chosen to leave their own country and communicate the love of Jesus Christ to people who otherwise would never hear it. It's amazing to me, he says, people would leave what we have to go and live on a garbage dump. Amazing but not as amazing as the journey from heaven to earth. You see, the Son of God made that journey and He knew what He was doing. He knew where He was going. He knew what the sacrifice would be. He journeyed from heaven to earth on a mission to save the human race. Third truth I want you to know from this story is that you must be willing to proclaim what God has done. Simeon and Anna never considered keeping the good news to themselves. You and I have the greatest news of all time, and we keep it to ourselves. Man, when you're shopping, when you're at checking out, ask them if they go to church anywhere. Ask them if they know Jesus. Do they have Christ in Christmas? They may look at you and say, I don't believe in God. Say, well, I'm going to pray for you because you really need it. You know, that's the bad part about being an atheist, isn't it? When you die, you all get all dressed up and you've got no place to go. That's it. 
My brother used to tell me, my oldest brother that now is a believer, used to tell me, well, you live, you die, that's it. Guess what? There's more now. He found out there's more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> they, they, they just didn't keep it to themselves. Simeon breaks into song, he, and, and, he, and he speaks a word of, uh, of, of prophecy. And, and as soon as she sees the child, Anna comes up and she thanks God and she speaks about Him. Perhaps that's the concept of the thank you note. You know, when you get a gift, a well-received gift includes a thank you note. I'm learning to handwrite notes. I used to type them because my handwriting's atrocious. And I had somebody say, then slow down and write the note. I said, but I'm in such a hurry. He said, slow down and write the note. And that's helped so much. I'm trying to do better at writing personal notes to people. I hope they can read it when they get it. And if you've gotten one of those and go, I wonder what he said in there, just know that I'm saying thank you. Please know that. But a heart of Christmas is incredibly the reality of God leaving His home in heaven and willingly placing His Son in the belly of a peasant girl so that He could experience all that it is to be human. He came in disguise, the King of the universe, to redeem all who would accept His offer of life. And to such a gift, a word of thanks is appropriate. Like Simon and Anna, Simeon and Anna, we can't hold back our praise for Almighty God. We ought to throw those hands up and shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. That our Savior has come. Our Savior has come. King Abdullah II of Jordan likes to disguise himself and mingle among the common folk. His rationale for this unorthodox approach is to better understand and to serve his people. He'll take on the character, different characters. One was an ordinarily uh, old Arab man, uh, put on a fake white beard and wore the traditional uh, garb that an old Arab man would wear. And while disguised, he would walk, uh, walk among the people and have conversations with them getting and obtaining their point of view. He would uh, make these appearances many, many times since he assumed the throne in 1999. Uh, once he disguised himself as an old man visiting a hospital. Another time he circulated around Amman, Jordan, behind the wheel of a taxi cab. Still another time he passed himself off as a television reporter trying to cover a story. And there's a a true reporter named Costa Tadros. And she said, I think that being in disguise and going around as a normal civilian to listen to their problems and know more about their needs is a good thing. I think it would make a great movie. Jordanian government employees aren't taking any chances. They started to spend time looking at people's faces, fearing that they could meet the king in disguise. Our king slipped in. And the always busy religious leaders missed him. As the worship team comes to help me close. Christmas can still arrive when you least expect it. And sometimes it, it arrives in the most unusual manner. Dr. James Dobson tells the story of an elderly woman named Stella Thornhope.
She was struggling with her first Christmas alone. Her husband had died just a few months prior following a slow-developing cancer. Several days, it's now before Christmas. She's snowed in by a brutal snowstorm, feeling terribly alone, so much so that she decides that she's not even going to decorate for Christmas. Late that afternoon, the doorbell rings, and there's a delivery boy with a box, and he says, Mrs. Thornhope, she said, yes, would you sign here? She invited him to step inside and close the door to get away from the cold. She signed the paper. She said, what's in the box? Well, the young man laughing and opens up the flap, and inside there's a little puppy, a golden Labrador retriever. And the delivery boy picked up the squirming little puppy and explained, this is for you, ma'am. He's six weeks old, completely housebroken. I don't believe that, but, I, you know, sounds good, doesn't it? The young puppy began to wiggle, and as they do. Who sent this, Mrs. Thornhope asked. And the young man set the animal down, handed her an envelope, and said, It's all explained here in this envelope, ma'am. The dog was bought last July while its mother was still pregnant, and it was meant to be a Christmas gift to you. So the young man then handed her a book, How to Care for Your Young Labrador Retriever. In desperation, she said again, Who sent me this puppy? And as the young man turned to leave, he said, Your husband, ma'am. Merry Christmas. Well, she opened up the letter from her husband, and he had written it three weeks before he died and left it with the kennel owners to be delivered with the puppy as a last Christmas gift to her. The letter was full of love and encouragement and admonishments to be strong. He vowed that he was waiting for the day when she would join him. He had sent her this young animal to keep her company until then. She wiped the tears, put the letter down, and then remembering the puppy at her feet, she picked up that golden furry ball and held it to her neck. And then she looked out the window at the lights that outlined the neighbor's house. She heard from the radio in the kitchen the strains of joy to the world. The Lord has come. And suddenly Stella felt the most amazing sensation of peace washing over her. Her heart felt a joy and a wonder greater than the grief and loneliness. Little fella, she says to the dog, it's just you and me. But you know what? There's a box down in the basement I'll bet you'd like. It's got a lot of little Christmas tree in it and some decorations, some lights. And they're going to impress you. And there's this manger scene. Hey, let's go get it. God has a way of sending a signal of light to remind us life is stronger than death. Light is more powerful than darkness. God is more powerful than Satan. Good will overcome evil. Father, I ask you this morning to move in the hearts of your people. God, in the book of Matthew chapter 4, these words are found. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. God would today, the light of your Son, Jesus Christ, shine in the hearts of your people in this room this morning. Perhaps somebody here needs to make a decision of some kind. Would you move on them in Jesus' name? Amen. Stand and sing this great song. <coughs>